0: Welcome to the Evidence-Based Parenting Podcast. My name is Danushi and I'm a mum, psychologist and founder of Fuller Moments. Join me each week as I dive into a different parenting topic or dilemma and present you with the evidence to help you and me make informed parenting decisions. Welcome to today's episode of Evidence-Based Parenting. Today's episode is all about screen time. Before our first baby was born, my husband and I hit the books, specifically those written by experts in their field and grounded in evidence. Based on our readings and advice around the time, we decided we would not use screen time with our daughter until she was at least three. When my daughter was born, my sister added a kid's account to our family Netflix, Netflix account and named it after her. And I actually then renamed it to include three plus. This was our plan and we want everybody on board. And I can tell you my husband actually wanted to go to a further level because based on our readings, he wanted to actually do zero screens around our daughter as well. So that meant not watching screens when she was around because we had read that passive consumption or background noise can be disruptive to imaginative play and all the benefits that came with it. We lived in an apartment at the time and I had to draw the line there. I was all aboard her not watching screens, but hanging out with a baby 24 7 can get boring, so I knew I'd definitely be consuming some Netflix that she might overhear. And luckily, I did draw the line because she was born at the end of 2020, and we all know that the year following that saw a big spike in Netflix viewing. We did compromise, however, and we bought a Bluetooth plug thing on the TV where we could then split it onto our earphones so there'd be no actual TV noise pollution. That system lasted about a Week before we realised how annoying it was, and there were so many issues, and we just stitched it. When you have a baby in New South Wales, parents are given a bag full of useful goodies for you and your baby. And one of the things is this booklet that you stick on your fridge that outlines milestones and tips by age category right up until your child turns five. This booklet advises from using screens until the age of two. Because I know everyone got this booklet, I had somewhat naively assumed that most people would be withholding screens from their baby. However, when I was reading different forums, observing things on Instagram, and talking to other mums, I discovered that this was not the case at all. It may have been some bias, but I felt like everyone else was showing their baby screens besides me. And I started to wonder, are screens even that bad? Now that we've welcomed our second child, I was interested to know how and if the research has progressed in that area since we had our first. So today I'll be looking into, is screen time bad for my baby? For this episode, I'm going to define baby as under two years old. In Australia and America, it is recommended that children under two have no screen time at all. It's noted that video chatting is an exception to this rule. But how many people are actually following this guideline? Numerous studies have shown it's not a high number. It's been indicated that 68% of children under two in America use screens every day. And in Australia, an average four-month-old was watching 44 minutes of TV daily. I found an interesting cohort study that looked at the screen time habits of 500 babies in Southwest Sydney. This study found that at 18 months, 40% of infants were watching over two hours of TV a day. The study also examined what factors were associated with increased screen time, and found there was a significant link between increased screen time and less than 5 outings a week, not having outdoor equipment, being a single mother, having fewer siblings and having a father who was employed. Given these links, it's not too surprising that the reasons for showing the infant screen time was to 1 provide entertainment and to 2 to act as a babysitter or distraction while they need to get other things done. We conclude we can conclude from these studies and stats that not everyone and likely most people are not abiding by the recommendation of no screens before 2. But is that actually problematic? The recommendation seems to be based on the notion that watching TV will replace parent-child interactions which are essential and significant in shaping a child's development. Similarly, it was known that children under 2 learn best from everyday experiences, including play, being outside, reading, imaginative play, and social interactions with family and friends. And thus, TV has the potential to replace those quality activities. It also appears that these recommendations are based on research that screen time is associated with increased risk of obesity, decreased cognitive and language development, and poor sleep. However, most of these studies are done on older children, not babies, which is what we're interested in today's episode. And I did manage to find a few studies that specifically looked at infants. Let's look at sleep first. It's common knowledge that screen time before bed, even for adults, can impact sleep quality. So if it would make sense that if an infant was watching TV right before bed, they could suffer sleep problems. A recent study found that even an hour of screen time was correlated with less nighttime sleep compared to an infant who watched no screens. Note that this did not indicate it was causal, i.e. doesn't mean that TV causes bad sleep because the study didn't actually control for other factors that in, in the infant's life and environment, which could also be impacting their sleep. The study also didn't look at what time the screen was shown. I did struggle to find a study that looked at TV watching and obesity in babies specifically, so please let me know if you're in, across any research in this area. In lieu of that, let's look at the studies that will explore the link between screen time and obesity in older children. Generally, the findings indicate that the amount of screens you watch as a child is a predictor of how much child, how much child, how much screens you'll watch as an adult, which is linked to a sedentary lifestyle. Studies also highlighted that screen time is often associated with eating and snacking, and that children are more likely to be exposed to advertisements for junk food. And if you think about it logically, it does make sense. If a child is spending the bulk of their time awake sitting in front of a TV instead of physically moving their body, there could be a link between TV and obesity. But obviously this would entail excessive screen time and we can't discount the role that diet would play. And I believe this is an issue with many of the studies that look at the link between risk and screen time. They just highlight links, but they don't examine or control for what other factors could be contributing to these risks. So for example, in the link between TV watching and obesity, what does the diet of these children look like? This is why I was really excited when I found a study conducted in 2009 that looked at the impact of screen watching on children from birth to three years specifically the impact on language and motor skill development. The exciting part was that the researchers examined the impact when you controlled for other characteristics of the child's life. As part of this study, the infants did a measure of vocabulary and motor skills at six months old, and then again at three years old. In this study, from birth to two years, the infants watched on average 1.2 hours of screens per day. The results of this study indicated that children in homes with lower household incomes, lower levels of maternal education, children from non-white backgrounds were more likely to watch more hours of TV per day. The study also showed a link between watching more TV in infancy and a shorter duration of breastfeeding, less average sleep per day and a higher BMI at 3 years old. Increased TV watching was also associated with lower test scores in vocabulary and motor skills measures that I mentioned before. However, when they controlled for maternal age, income, education levels, marital status and the mother's own test scores, they found no effect. So in layman's terms, this means that they did a statistical analysis to essentially look at the impact of TB in infancy if all those factors I mentioned were the same for all the children in the study. And it basically indicated that if everything was equal, increases in screen time for babies had no impact on their cognitive and motor skills. This study did however refute one of the reasons that parents in the study showed their babies TV, which was for education. The findings from their study like studies done prior showed that there is no educational benefit of tv for infants under two interestingly though other studies have shown that whilst there is no benefit for children under two there is some for children aged between three to five but back to this study one of the limitations was that this study didn't look at what they were watching and from reviewing the research there is support that the impact of screen time is actually dependent on what is being watched A study done in America in 2005 looked at the developmental impact of watching TV on infants and toddlers. They found that toddlers were actually able to learn words from watching TV, if the show used similar strategies and techniques that helped toddlers learn words in real life. So for example, in shows such as Blue's Clues and Dora the Explorer, the characters speak directly to the child, they will label objects, they will have segments which elicit participation from the child, and they provide opportunities for the child to respond shows that a storybook-like in nature, such as Arthur, Dragon Tales and Clifford, may also support language development because they have a narrative, they're visually appealing and they allow the child to observe the words and their definitions with a visual representation. The study found that Teletubbies and Sesame Street were negatively linked to a children's language outcome. In Teletubbies the characters use baby talk, there's lots of different inputs such as lots of visual stimulation and music that might not foster word learning. I thought Sesame Street was an interesting one, given it was definitely viewed as a more of an educational show when I was growing up, and even the researchers weren't able to provide a clear why. They theorised it might be because the narrative was too loose and the vignettes changed too frequently to allow for learning. They did know that since the study was done, Sesame Street has significantly changed its format and structure, so potentially the findings will be different with the newer episodes. The limitation of this study, like many studies done in this space, is only showing a relationship or link between certain shows and language development. Not that, for example, Dora the Explorer alone improves language, but it certainly provides food for thought and does highlight that not all TV is bad. As I've mentioned before, this podcast is about presenting you with evidence to help inform your decisions. You're empowered to decide how you apply the evidence. I mentioned in the beginning of the episode that when our daughter was born, we tried to stop her from hearing screens in case it distracted her from the play and the benefits that come with that. For me, during the newborn period, this seemed silly as she wasn't really engaging in imaginary play, nor was she paying attention to the TV. And like I said, sometimes being around a baby is boring and having Netflix in the background gave me some much needed stimulation. However, we did know that as she got older, it actually did serve as a distraction. She would stop playing and stare at the TV. One of the studies I read said that, on average, children begin properly paying attention to TV at nine months old. And I would say our daughter was a little older than that when it did start to catch her attention. When we saw that it did begin to disturb her play, we decided to stop watching TV around her. We, however, did not make it to two, let alone three, before we decided to introduce screens to her. The decision to introduce screens to her, we like to think of as strategic. She was one and a half and about to embark on her first overseas flight seven hours to Malaysia. I personally am pretty prone to motion sickness and I'm not great on a flight as it is, so the idea of having to entertain a toddler was nerve-wracking. Plus we couldn't even fathom how we could keep her in a seat for such a long period. So we're hoping because screens were so novel to her, she'd just be happily entertained and stay in her seat if we showed her a screen. This kind of worked for us, but she didn't want to watch the screen the whole time because being on a plane was also novel and exciting. But along our trip, the screen did prove helpful when we needed to wait for hours at the airport or needed to do something while she stayed in one place. And I do have one memory from that trip. We're in a beautiful resort in Sri Lanka and we're quickly learning that holidaying with a child was definitely more exhausting than relaxing. And we just had this internal debate and a debate with each other about parental guilt. And we decided to show her TV for an hour just so we can have a lazy hour to rest. She was captivated and she stared at my laptop the whole time. And we had this mix of feelings. We had this feeling like, wow, this is amazing. Imagine how easy parenting would be if we just showed her screen the whole time. But we also felt uneasy with almost how zombie-like she was when she was watching it. She's now two and a half, and we do still show her screens, but it's pretty limited. But our guilt around showing her screens has certainly decreased because we know that the majority of her wake time, she's spent doing enriching activities such as imaginative play, socialising and interacting with real life humans, as I've said before, the, this podcast presents you with the evidence, but you need to consider your you and your child's personal circumstances. So, for example, our daughter loves Coco Melon, and although we used to only let her watch her t- let her watch about ten minutes or so at a time on a weekend, we noticed that immediately after watching, she'd be moody and whingy. Based on that, we decided to take a break from Coco Melon and start to introduce her to other shows such as The Wiggles, and we saw that it lost that effect. And we've now reintroduced Cocomelon on her request and thankfully we no longer see that post-show moodiness. But I definitely recommend that you do your own experimentation and set your own rules to find something that works best for you and your child. So before we end this episode, let's do a quick recap. Although TV Under 2 might not be educational, it might not also be that bad as long as you balance it with real life enriching activities. Basically, if you do need to pop on some TV for your bub so you can get something done or you just need a break from because parenting is hard, don't beat yourself up over it. And you can balance out any potential risk by making sure you're talking to your baby, reading to your baby, getting them outside, playing with your baby, and placing values on some shows over others. So hopefully that helped answer the question, is screen time bad for your baby? And I look forward to you joining me next week. Thank you for listening to today's episode. This is a Fuller Moments resource. Fuller Moments aims to provide you with the tools and resources to help you reflect, grow and thrive. Check out fullermoments.com for more information. And if you want more information about this podcast, join us over at Instagram at Evidence-Based Parenting Podcast. See you there.